Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Girl, real talk. This whole, it's a new year, time to reinvent myself trash is not the vibe for 2024. You can find someone who loves you for you, as you are. You don't need to read a stack of self-help books, only eat sad salads, or like start meditating at 5 a.m. to be ready for dating. So yeah, my advice is to download Bumble and find someone who embraces you the way you are right now. Let me know how it goes. Before I had been quite paralyzed or held back by the anxiety about like what would someone might think about something that I wrote. But to kind of get to the point where like that was less important than just saying it at all was a really big shift. And it was it was big, but it was so like subtle that I, I don't think I even really noticed it until like right now as we're talking. I, like I don't I don't think it, I realized that that change had occurred. I'm Jordan Kistner, author of the essay collection Thin Places, and this is Thresholds, a weekly series of conversations with writers and artists about moments of epiphany or transformation that changed their lives and their work. A moment that they stepped across, like a threshold, into something new, and the way that experience changed everything they wrote afterward. Alyssa Songsiridae is an editor at Electric Literature and the author of the novel Little Rabbit, which was a National Book Foundation 5 Under 35 honoree this year and was shortlisted for the Center for Fiction First Novel Prize. Little Rabbit is about a relationship between a younger woman who's aspiring to be a writer and a much older, famous ballet choreographer. The relationship is the narrator's first exposure to dom-sub dynamics, something she both wants and feels bad about wanting. And the relationship also alienates her from some of her closest friends. Alyssa came on the podcast to talk about leaving her home of many years, Philadelphia, to move to Boston and the way that getting out of her context and getting away from her friends and farther from her family and into a space of slight alienation and solitude freed her to write in a way she'd never felt able to before, to write about relationships and write about sex, to write about domination and other conflicted desires. We talked about that and so much more. Here's Alyssa's song, Day. When I was in my, um, like, late, I think in 2017, in my, like, late 20s, um, I moved from Philly to Boston for a few years. Um, 
And that was like a weirdly, I mean, I say weirdly because people move in the United States sort of all the time. Um, and like my parents have moved uh, very far distances, like, and like transcended like language and culture. Like they moved from Thailand to the Midwest. Um, so I feel almost like a little bit sheepish, like bringing this up as like the big thing in my kind of young adulthood, but like moving from Philly to Boston was a very um, tran- like difficult and, but also really important transition in my life. There was like a very uh, clear, like logistical reason why um, we moved, which is my partner got into graduate school. Um, and so we decided to move for him to do that. Um, but before, before the move, like I think about a year before, a year before even we knew that he was, what school he was going to get into and what we were going to have to do. Um, I was kind of starting to feel like I needed to move, um, but I couldn't find a reason to, if that makes sense. I, um, I, I like live, I, I moved back to the same neighborhood that I moved away from. So it's, it's sort of funny to talk about in the past tense and the present tense. Um, but like I lived in this very kind of tightly knit um, neighborhood in Philly where it's um, very like walkable and everyone it's, it's the kind of place where you couldn't live in and it feels like everyone, you know, lives within like 10 blocks of you. Um, it felt very like cozy and comfortable. Um, but I, was also just having a hard time um, writing when I was first, when I was living here at the time. Um, So I had lived in Philly for like my entire adult life. I grew up in Iowa and then I moved here to go to college um, and then moved into this neighborhood and like stayed in this neighborhood for like about seven years. Um, And I kind of growing up, I kind of felt like I was... um, I mean, everyone kind of looks to other people to find uh, cues on what to do. Um, But I think growing up, I felt like my family especially sort of leaned on other people to figure out what they what they needed to do and how they should be living their lives. Because, you know, they moved from Thailand to the U.S. and they didn't really have like, like they just kind of got thrown into this different culture and this different context. And I remember growing up, like the decision if I was trying to get permission to like do something, for example, the question would always be like, uh, does your friend, um, Teresa, just, I'm throwing out a name. Does your friend Teresa, is she going to do that? Like Teresa being someone who's like, they trusted and whose family they trusted. Um, and so I always like try to make sure like uh, imaginary friend Teresa, like was also doing that thing. So my parents would feel like comfortable and safe. Like they were just always kind of, asking around trying to understand what was the thing to be done. Um, and so I carried that kind of with me through my adult life without really realizing it. And that I really kind of unconsciously was lo- really looking to like everyone around me to understand sort of what I needed to be doing or what was the right thing um, to be doing. Um, and I really wanted I mean, I really wanted to do the right thing. Like I was, um, a very, um, I was very preoccupied with like being good and like being fair and those sorts of things. Um, and 
so like living in the same place for such a long time where it felt like I, everyone I knew was sort of in that same place. Um, I didn't sort of develop my own instincts about what I wanted or, um, like, or how I, how I like actually like, like what being good actually like really meant to me. Um, I, I never quite kind of figured that out for myself. Um, and for like many years, like in my early twenties, it, it worked out okay. But then I kind of reached this point where I felt like I was reaching the limits of, um, that, that I had, I had just sort of spun out like the person that I had been for years. Um, and I needed to do something else, but I kind of couldn't figure out what, um, and so then my partner getting into graduate school was kind of like a convenient um, reason to move. And so I kind of, I don't know. And so that's why, so I, I could say like, we're moving for him. We're moving for him to do this thing for his career. Um, but that kind of got me into this like bind where I was also, it also, I think, could seem maybe uneven or unfair to people. And so then I had to kind of contend with that too, if that makes sense. You were describing that kind of like you're reaching the the limits around not not knowing what being good being good feels like for you. That kind of like coming up against the edge of feeling like that needed to change or your your approach needed to change. How what did that feel like? How could you tell? It was just this kind of like gut anger I think actually I think when I if I were to like kind of use a word to describe the feeling I was I was having then I was kind of feeling this very similar to rage but I had nothing to be angry at well until the election that I had something to be angry at but then um like I was looking for something outside of myself to kind of give me permission to do do something different or to do something else um and specifically i think i was i was looking for some kind of permission outside of myself to write like i had always wanted to be a writer um and my like kind of main amb- ambition at that point was like i just wanted to write a book that was like read by someone who was not related to me <laughs> to like you know <laughs> to um and i I like really wanted to do that, but I could not, I couldn't do it. Like I just kept on sort of getting in my own way. Like I always kind of found excuses or reasons or other things that I thought like I should be doing. And I don't think I consciously was thinking this. I wasn't like going around, like I was still trying to set aside time to write. I was, I was still trying to do uh, my own work, but I, I was getting in my way unconsciously and was, I sort of didn't under uh, that I didn't understand and that I couldn't figure out a a way around until I kind of pulled myself geographically out of um, the place I had been for so long. It also was, it also kind of coincided with like a lot of other sort of changes in my life. But one of them being like my partner going to grad school um, and us, we decided to get married and um, so like getting married right before we moved and then showing up in this new place and then feeling like I was kind of being 
um, read by people in a, in a different way or in a, in like a way I was not used to, which I found to be like really sort of challenging. Um, how so? Because, um, and I guess this is something that I, I'm interested in writing about or that I do write about in the book, but that like, that the, the way I was being perceived by people was not how I felt inside. Um, you know, I, I had moved for him. He was going to graduate school. We were married. Like there, there are all these kind of like loaded terms that had sort of meaning for other people, but that I, I didn't have that same meaning, if that makes sense. Um, like even right now I'm saying partner, but like also sometimes I say husband and it's like, well, why do, like, why do I shy away from, um, one word in some contexts and the other, you know, it's because they have all these, um, kind of connotations that other people are, would, would draw from them. Um, and like just sort of the, the circumstances in which I like arrived in the city had like a connotation that I was like, that I kind of railed against that I, I did not like, or I was sort of struggling with. Um, Do you mean that you, you felt like there was some perception of you that you were like, you know, the spouse appendage who moved for her husband kind of thing? Yes, exactly. Um, which is, yeah. And it's like something that like, I I mean, a lot of people who end up in academic marriages like that is a little bit part of the life. Um, like the, there's like the Alexandra Chang book, like days of distraction, which I think, um, I, I kind of pushed on a lot of friends to also read too, because it kind of captures that feeling of, of following someone and then, um, feeling a little bit lost. And that was like kind of a feeling I had, um, when I arrived at first was like feeling a little bit lost and having to like make a sort of meaning for myself, if that makes sense. And also kind of pushing against the like narrative of the spouse appendage too, like, because it was like, I also had wanted to move. Like I had wanted to make this change. Um, and like sort of put, like jumped right into it without really thinking very clearly about the ramifications or like what it would actually like mean to like uproot my life temporarily or not temporarily or whatever. Um, I did have to kind of settle into myself in this way that I had never really experienced before. Um, in my kind of adult life, like I, even just on like a very like day-to-day level, like domestic level, like I had always had like lots of roommates and like, I had always like kind of felt surrounded by people, um, in a way that was like nice and, and comfortable, but could also sometimes feel like surveillance is too strong of a word, but there is like the feeling of like, you're presenting a self even to your roommate or or like you're presenting yourself even to your, like your closest friends. Um, and and I felt like I suddenly had kind of the freedom to like rethink how I was doing that. Um, which I never really had in my adult life. Um, and so in some ways, so it was like very difficult and i i remember the first year being just sort of like very cranky all the time and i mean <laughs> <laughs> like just like very very grumpy <laughs> it's also like a very dark cold wintry place it's like it's a yeah. city that is like famous for people disliking it i think um 
And so it was like easy to just kind of like lean into the being cranky about it. Um, but, uh, but putting myself in that like very uncomfortable situation, I did enable me to like, to grow and to change. And like, I just, I felt the change, um, in my writing, for example, just kind of like became kind of turbocharged or just, um, and the way I sort of thought about myself also changed a lot. Where were you in, in Little Rabbit during this time? Had you started it yet? No, definitely not. Okay. I, <laughs> I well, I, so I mentioned I was an adjunct and I spent like a lot of years just writing this novel that was supposed to be like an adjuncting novel. Um, I, you know, in, in, Little, in Little Rabbit, I kind of make fun of the narrators. She's like writing about capitalism. She's like writing these little fragments about capitalism. And, but that's kind of like exactly what I was doing when I uh, first moved. I like, um, like I was, I was really trying to, like, I had this in my thing in my head that I had to be like political. I had to be like a serious, in order to be like a serious writer. Like I, I was very against letting myself write about relationships, for example. I, um, I, I never wrote about a romantic relationship until I wrote Little Rabbit, actually. I, even in undergraduate, like writing workshops when it's, people do tend to write about romantic relationships because that's sort of the the rhythm of your life. I would like refuse to do that. Um, and then, and then when, um, when the pandemic happened and when we went into lockdown and I, I feel like I retreat, you know, I'm talking about Boston being a little bit of a retreat from the world. And then, you know, the lockdown was like an even further retreat. And I did have a moment of being like, wait, where did I get this feeling that I needed to like write in this way in order to be like a, a quote unquote serious writer? Like what, where did that come from? And like, why have I been holding myself to it for so long um, in such a way that like I was writing in a way that wasn't giving me kind of any pleasure Um you know, and I still like to to read kind of more like fragmentary works, but like, um, but like writing that way was very not fun for me. It was like I was kind of harming my own writing by holding that idea in my head. Um, but so yeah, so when lockdown kind of happened, I start I was able to sort of pause, and I guess what I'm talking about now with like the moving being really important was because I. And the lockdown being a threshold and an important moment was, they were all sort of moments where I had to pause the way I was currently living. Um, and it gave me an opportunity to kind of take a look at like these things, these notions that I was like moving forward with. So when lockdown happened, I was able to pause and sort of look at the structure I was trying to make my writing fit and to ask myself like why why do I think of this as being quote unquote serious writing? Um, and realizing like it had, you know, that it was all this kind of, um, 
inherited garbage basically that was not helping me like this um this feeling that i couldn't write about a relationship like that even though like relationships are just very important you know they're the things that sort of str- not just romantic relationships but also friendships you know they're the things that um kind of give your life its texture and its atmosphere and and I think part of the having it ta- having those the physical aspects of those relationships taken away in lockdown also I think kind of emphasized that importance to me and made me realize just like that I had been holding myself back from from doing this for like kind of no reason at all and that like I just had to sort of flush the the garbage in my head you know like um like if you think there's that like line there's this part in like um like Sheila Hetty's like how should a person be where she kind of realizes like she's like the old man like yelling at her I might be I'm think I'm quoting it slightly wrong but it was like I I kind of realized I had like an old man in my head who was just like relationships are not serious like being in lockdown enabled me to like get rid of that old man and to like let myself write this write this thing write this book um and so the first draft of it came completely in lockdown like in the first few months of the pandemic when we were still still all like really at home um i also had like other things going on where my like work had stopped um because it was like dependent on classrooms being open so i like had a sort of level of free time that was unsettling and and needed to be filled um and um but i like i could not have written that book i think if i had stayed if i had never moved away um why something about uh i think because it it enabled me to kind of loosen up all the judgments in my head if that makes sense. Was that just um, about being farther away from your parents or farther away from what do you, what was the distance like, there that felt operative? Uh, farther away from my parents. Also, I think like farther away from my friends um, that I had in my twenties. Like I, I was very, I think I was very anxious even at the, as I was writing this book about how, um, this is gonna be a little bit revealing. Uh, I think I was anxious about the judgments that I might receive for like writing a book, this book, um, and writing about like a re- this like an older man younger woman relationship. Um, and in some ways, I was only really able to do it because I thought the world was ending, kind of. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could uh, reasonably think, well, you know, if we're Maybe maybe nothing is going to have consequences, so I can just write, I can just write this thing. Exactly, one hundred percent. I mean, like, like my parents can't even say the word sex, and then I wrote this like book with like a lot of sex in it, and like a lot of like um, like subdom dynamics in it, and um, and being kind of removed from my normal networks. Let me like let go of like my own inner judgments and do it. Had you been wanting to for a long time? Like, did you have this sort of in your head or did it 
did it surprise you? I think I had the pieces of it in my head for a long time. Like I, like I, I knew I wanted to write a book about like the body and like the kind of internal experience of like a body under um, structure is like maybe how I'm going to say it. And I wanted, I decided I wanted to write about dance um, a few months before lock before quarantine before lockdown um because i had gone to this residency where there were dancers and i um i had never i like ever seen like live dance really like that and um and i also got to see like the dance being made which i had never seen before um and it was such a different like language and like a different way of thinking about art than writing and what i was used to that i I knew immediately I like I want to figure out how to write about this because it feels as far from writing as like possible and that like distance is like really interesting to me. Um but then the actual like impetus for the relationship itself didn't really come until like I like I listened to a lot of like um the uh the relationship psychologist is Dare Perel. And so the impetus for like the actual relationship itself, like me knowing that I want to write it was um, listening to her audiobook, And she like has this chapter about, it's like just a very short part of the book. Um, she moves on very quickly, but it like really stuck with me. It was about like um, strong feminist women who like realize they want, like to be dominated in bed. And then, become very like anxious about it because it feels like it's counter, like their desires are counter to their values. Um, and it's funny. If I, I've said that anecdote in interviews before, but as I'm saying it now, I'm realizing like, Oh, I, of course that's sort of interesting to me. Cause I, I kind of often feel like my desires are counter. Just like, I feel like um, when I'm talking, when I was talking about like the anxiety of, needing to get away from the networks I was in, I'm kind of talking about that exa exact same thing. And I, I think I was interested in that because I think I've, I've spent a lot of my life kind of trying to reconcile like different parts of me, like different, um, like the desire to be internal and to like be in my room reading a lot plus the desire to like wanting to be out in the world and like acting in it and like trying to like work for change like those feel like those have felt at odds at times just because you know we're like human beings with limited hours in the day and that like I couldn't like trying to figure that out and and um and so I that part like really stuck in my head and I knew I wanted to write a narrative about that where it was just like really deeply from the woman's point of view um, and where that where she's like working on trying to reconcile that the the reconcile what feels to her like as being the difference between what she wants and in a private space and what she wants in a public space. I think I also like wanted it. I wanted that reconciliation. I, I just kind of think that reconciliation is something that is a process and never kind of fully ever gets resolved. And I think um, 
I think part of my just like getting older and kind of growing up is like kind of learning how to like accept that 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 those tensions are are there constantly and that like that's sort of okay that there's not like a distinct self that I just have to kind of get to at some point. Something about like writing this book kind of helps me not worry so much about the judgments in my head or the judgments outside of my head too, I guess. Um, not that those don't still like affect me, but that it, that it like loosened the hold that they had on me. Like what I was sort of trying to describe with like needing to move, like this feeling of being stuck, like and a feeling like not surveilled, but like perceived um, and there being like value in the uh, other people's perceptions. And just writing this book kind of helped me like let go of all the weight I was giving to those um, value-laden perceptions of, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine there are like a couple levels on which that might be operating in writing this book, but Definitely, I can see why somebody who has maybe over oversubscribed to the idea that what people think is important, that like writing a lot of graphic sex scenes, and I don't mean graphic in a bad way, I just mean graphic in like quite, you know, quite just descriptive of what is physically happening and of what the sensations are and writing like pretty clearly about pleasure, like that is something that a lot of people won't even touch, right? There's a lot right. of, um, because it feels like a way of being seen, even if what you, even if you're not writing about your own sex life. Writing about sex is such a, um, I don't know, it can feel like such a, a meridian line or something to, to cross that most, a lot of people won't do. And you like, you really did that here. Yeah, totally. It's, and not just like writing about, like sex and pleasure and desire, but like writing about like a, a young woman's sex and pleasure and desire. Uh, it felt, it did, it was a line I, I knew I wanted to cross and do with this book, but it felt hard. Uh, it felt very, like I, I really pushed, had to push myself and like, and I wanted to um, get it really right for this character specifically. And having something so intimate and like private, like putting it down on a, a paper and then like publishing it even is, is, was very hard. <laughs> um, but that like, <laughs> like I even now when sometimes when I uh, do readings, I, I, I go into it knowing what I'm going to read, but sometimes in the middle, I'm just like, whoa, what did I do? <laughs> um But that, but it, it it's important to me to kind of drive into my own reluctances or my own fears, um, because 
at some point, somehow I like realized like if I'm feeling reluctant or afraid of something, then like there's something there that I just, I need to be leaning in harder to. At least, at least when it comes to like writing in, in my real life, if I'm like afraid of like bears, I should not lean into, you know, bears. There's, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't lean into a bear if it were me. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> what was the biggest fear you had about putting this writing out and just like being, I'm thinking about how we've been talking this whole time about this transition you made toward trying to feel more acutely what you wanted and what you valued and then doing it and then going public with it, right? Which is like a pretty big transformation to happen in in your in your professional life, in your mental life. Um what was the thing you were most afraid of was going to happen if you if you went public with this thing that you had done? What's funny is that it's it wasn't my greatest fear wasn't really the judgments of others, but it was more just like it not like it not being like hurt at all, I think was actually or me not even doing it, I think. Um I I like that I think was my greatest fear. I mean, I think that's kind of your greatest fear whenever you sort of write and publish something. It's like the worst thing isn't a bad review, but it's like no review at all, if that if that makes sense, or to use just like a very specific example. Um, right. It's like you've taken the um, the time and the emotional energy and the kind of thought work and the bravery to do it. And you want it to, you want it to, you want there to then, that record to matter in some way. Yeah. And yeah, it's um, even in some small way, like, you know, even just like, you know, not like being read by someone who is not um, obligated through relationship to me to read it um, was really important to me, or it became more important to me than any of my fears um, about uh, what people might say or think about it. Um, and that, w- that was like a really important shift or change, I think, actually to ha- happen for me. Um, because I think before I had been quite paralyzed or held back by the anxiety about like what would someone might think about something that I wrote. Um, but to kind of get to the point where like that was less important than just saying it at all, um, was a really big shift and it was like not, it, and it was, it was big, but it was so like subtle that I, I don't think I even really noticed it until like right now as we're talking, like, I don't, I don't think it, I realized that that change had occurred. Huh. Yeah. It's weird, but like it's such a cliche to be like just writing the book changed my life, but it did kind of change my life because of that change. It made me a little bit looser. Maybe it's not quite the right word, but um, 
But like, there's something to having like been in this book so deeply and then to like, let it go and out, like out into the world. And like, my, like once it's out in the world, like I, it's, I almost, it's almost like I miss it, I guess. It's like, um, because when I am writing it, you know, you feel very inside it. And then once you have to start kind of talking about it, in order to be able to talk about it, you have to be outside of it. So like, ever since I've published, I've been outside of it. Um, and that po- process, po- actually, I feel like ever since I finished copy edits, I've been outside of it. But to to be inside of it and then to let it go had has really shifted the way I kind of think about being perceived or like, or even just about myself. Thresholds is produced by Drew Broussard. Music and editing by Laura Faye Oshimud of Arthur Moon. Our art is by Lorelai Grossman. Special thanks to Justin Alvarez and our hosts at LitHub Radio. You can find out more about our show, listen to past episodes, and get in touch at our website. This is thresholds.com. If you're listening to this on a podcast platform and you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe. Or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you normally listen, and subscribe and review us there. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.